Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we have Latoya D of the Analog Girl podcast. Through her platform, The Analog Girl, Latoya has helped many listeners by sharing her personal struggles with depersonalization, anxiety, and PTSD. Latoya tells her story of dealing with abuse in her past with authentic transparency and dives into what it was like suffering from chronic depersonalization. When she came to terms with these experiences, she had a burning drive to heal, and that led her into deep research for her own healing journey. On this episode, LaToya breaks down what the experience of depersonalization is like and shares about the reliable tools she now has that help her not only to cope, but to thrive in her life. LaToya shares some insights on dealing with anxiety in this uncertain time. Even though the subject matter is serious, LaToya is a lot of fun and brings humor and lightness to all that she addresses. We had a great time recording her episode and check us out on an upcoming episode of her show, The Analog Girl. Enjoy. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Welcome, LaToya. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. So to, uh, to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and um, the experiences that led you ultimately into the wellness space now? Sure. So um, what led me into, I was, let's, I'll start by saying I had no idea what the wellness space was. About three years ago, um, I was just really on my own personal journey, but never really had, uh, didn't know who the who's who were or what podcasts were or anything like that. Um, And then I woke up one day, like, I think it was like March 1st, 2018, and um, I felt like I was in a complete dream world. And prior to that, I was having panic attacks, but I didn't realize they were panic attacks. I actually thought I was dying. So I was constantly going to the hospital, like my heart keeps racing. I keep waking up in the middle of the night and I think I'm having a heart attack. So I I was always thinking that I was having a heart attack and going to the emergency room to the point that people were like, girl, you got to stop coming here. Like your EKGs are fine. Nothing's wrong with you. Um, And then I, it was through my own research of trying, like figuring out my symptoms, which was racing heart, um, insomnia sometimes. And then the last straw was waking up and feeling like I was in a dream world was what I realized I was suffering with extreme anxiety disorder. Um, And then from, from learning about the extreme anxiety disorder, um, I realized I was suffering with a symptom called depersonalization, which um, just makes you feel like things are just not real. 
um, you can look at yourself in the mirror and it just seems like you're looking at a foreign object or you're looking at your hands and you're like, do these hands belong to this body? Like, what is this? And you just feel really strange and it's a real outer body experience. Um, it's said that all of us go through this at one point in time in our lives. Um, it's that it, like, so if someone was to get into a car accident and then they might have that fleeting feeling or um, if someone was to die suddenly, sometimes it goes away and, and or, or with people who have that fleeting feeling, it definitely goes away, like within a couple of minutes or um, within the day. Um, but someone like me um, who has a, an anxiety disorder, it was it became chronic. So the best way for me to explain it, because I know even me saying this now, people will probably be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Unless someone is actually going through it now and not realizing what they're going through. I actually felt like I was, um, I had smoked some weed and tripped and I hadn't come down. So mm -hmm. I, it was like, I was still in that panic mode that I'm um, this dreamlike hallucination kind of feeling chronic for about a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the beginning, so it was, yeah, it was about a year, but I was able to come out of the extreme feelings of like waking up and like my head was feeling super tight. My vision was blurred because I was becoming so heightened with anxiousness and paranoia and fear. Um, and I was having these existential thoughts all the time of uh, thinking um, that I was dead. I thought that I might have been in purgatory and like, okay, so maybe this is what happens in purgatory. It was just very strange, you know, seeing my mom and being like, wow, so this is my mom. It was hard to connect. Um, and so, but I was able to come out of that extreme feeling within two to three months because I did my research. Like I was not playing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. I've, this is, this is new to me. I struggle with anxiety as well. And I've always had, I have like generalized anxiety disorder mm -hmm. basically. Um, mm -hmm. but th this, I've always had anxiety, you know, I used to, it, it kind of, for me really came about in my mid to late twenties, but, um, when I look back at like my childhood and my life, I was like, no, like there were series of like extreme anxiety in childhood that, you know, were very intense. Did this come up for you because of something or did you always have anxiety? Um, I think I always had anxiety. When I think about like what I was going through like if I go back to like college or high school, there was certain certain situations that I was going through. Um, I'm fully transparent on my end that people that know me, um, actually I uh, got pregnant with my son at 15. My parents are both pastors in the church. So if you can understand the heightened level of drama that was going on mm -hmm. at 15 years old, prior to me being 15, I was at 13, I was running away from home a lot because of a very strict childhood. Um, there was sexual assault in my life um, from a family member. So I had a lot of that going on, but I also come from a family where we are very strong and we are, my mom's favorite line is we ain't got time to be depressed, girl. Like we have no time to be depressed. So, you know, I come from that. So there was a lot of you just got to push through. So I was always a push through kind of girl, like going through a lot of traumatic things with my father and his aggression in the household. Um, so I think I always had anxiety. Um, and, but the way that uh, it manifested itself in me was I would suppress things a lot and then maybe act out and do certain things that would kind of harm me you know, or, or seeking attention or seek, seeking, just seeking solace places where probably I should not have. So those were the ways that I was kind of acting out when I was younger. Uh, when I got into college, I definitely did have anxiety. And I remember having my very first panic attack um, because I, it would be social things that would uh, affect me. So at that time, Aaliyah had died suddenly. So I remember that 
that was so crazy for me because she was of my age. She was born the same year as me. And we, you know, I was just in the prime of my life in college and she was absolutely in the prime of her life. So it just bugged me out. And that was around the time that I had my first um, panic attack and um, disconnection with reality. Didn't think twice about it though. Yeah. I just, you know what I mean? Like I just was like, okay. Completely no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it was, I was like, like this happened. And I remember walking in a hallway one day and I was like, I had that fleeting feeling of de- depersonalization, like, wow, this is earth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is life? What, you know, what is my existence? But it immediately went on to something. It's- it's fascinating. It's like, I remember, you know, when I, there was a summer when I was eight or nine years old and my parents were going through this like really awful, awful time. And, um, I, I couldn't eat food for a whole mm-hmm. summer because mm-hmm. I thought I was going to choke. So mm-hmm. I only ate eggs for like four months. Like really? No yeah. I could only eat like soft mushed eggs for a whole summer. And yet I, I, was high functioning, you know, like, like that was like a moment in my childhood. Nobody thought, wow, this is anxiety. Right. So suddenly here I am in my late twenties and I look back at all these different points of my life and I'm like, how did we never, you never pinpoint it. Yeah. You never (laughs) pinpoint it. And I think it's because also too, when you're young, you're just so like resilient. You're you're so resilient. You don't care. Like we're, it's like, we're, we're so like carefree. We're going on with our lives. We don't really have any drama or stress really at those ages. Like we're not thinking about bills. We're not thinking about guys. We're not thinking about, you know, careers. That's, those were far from, you know, our brain. So I think it was just easy for us to go to the next thing. Like, so okay so where's the party going to be at on the quad like you know right. <laughs> something like that I think that's why um we were able to just like push through it and just we just had no knowledge well I think that's that's interesting I think you know hearing you guys talk about this I feel like two things come up for me you know it's not that humans have never really suffered with anxiety, especially post-trauma. Like it sounds like, you know, we're talking about, Erica, a traumatic event that your family was going through and traumatic events that you dealt with as a young person too. And it's like, I was thinking back about like sort of just the major traumas that I can pinpoint over the course of my life. But sometimes it's not even major trauma. Sometimes it's like really subtle trauma. And then, and it's like kids, humans in general, but especially kids are so resilient. You don't know. And especially back then there was not language for what we under, like we don't have, we didn't, I don't remember ever hearing about like anxiety as a labeled thing. It was like, oh, you know, this person's having a hard time or whatever. Now we have much more sort of mainstream knowledge and language about how to articulate this and resources because there's been so much sort of mental health. I mean, I think there's a long way to go, but like the sort of shift in in sort of even acknowledging it as a, um, as a really, really, really important component of health in general is in the last 15 years, right? It's like, I feel like previous generations were taught to just like suppress, suppress, suppress. And it's only in our adulthood that we've really been like, oh, and you're talking about your research, right? Like you knew to dive in to do some research. You're like, oh, maybe this isn't, this isn't like what I want my normal to be or what I want my baseline to be. So from that point, you know, you're saying you, you went through this stuff, you were going through this depersonalization, which I think you'd describe it really well, because even though I've never experienced that, I can, I can kind of picture what you're talking about. Maybe I've experienced mm-hmm. moments of it, but like you right. said, right, we pull ourselves back. Yeah. I know like waking up after a loved one has died and that next morning and you remember like, wait, is that real life? Like exactly. you have to, right? Like that. Yes. So I, I think you've done a really good job <laughs> explaining it because I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that feeling is like, but I can't imagine having it be chronic and prolonged. Right. right. So as you were in the process of doing your research and, and starting to articulate for yourself, like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing what, what next? Like, what were your next steps? Like, did you, you said you stopped going to the ER after you realized it wasn't necessarily like a heart attack, Mm -hmm. but then how did you go about starting to try and make this better for yourself? 
Um, so I, you have to get to a point where you're like fed up, you know, like I did have, I think, I feel like there's phases in this, you know, no matter what mental health disorder you find yourself going through, there's phases. So the first phase is like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? So you're really trying to figure out like, this is so strange to me. So, but you're keeping it to yourself because you think someone's going to think that you're absolutely crazy you know but then um once i figured out what was going on i was like i made a decision i was just like i'm not going through this you know because it started to scare me if you go on forums and you read people who have been stuck in depersonalization and derealization some people are claiming to be stuck in it for 20 years some people are claiming to be stuck in it for their entire lives yeah, some people are saying they have been experiencing it, you know, because it happens a lot from people who have tripped on marijuana and um, panicked so much that their their brains just went into this depersonalization. Um, and I think that also happened to me, but it it was it was in between the time where I smoked weed and, and the time that the depersonalization, depersonalization started. So I'm not really sure. Um, but a lot of people do say that they're stuck in it for many years. So what I'm, what I, where I'm getting to is that I started to see that and I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be stuck in this for forever. Like, this is not about to happen to me. I can't do this. So I started to, um, once I realized it was anxiety, I started to research, what can I do to lower my anxiety? Exercise? Bet. Let me go ahead on and get this exercise, um, this um, membership from Planet Fitness right now. Um, what else can I do? Change my diet? Great. Okay, let me go on YouTube and figure out how I can change my diet and what I can do and then tailor it to what I like to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I found this guy, Sean O'Connor, who lives in... Um, he lives in Ireland, Cork, Ireland. And um, he actually wrote a whole book on it because he suffered from it. And he is so amazing, guys. And I would even suggest you guys reaching out to him to come on the show. But he is absolutely amazing because I feel like people will probably start reaching out to you and telling you. I had no clue what I was going through, but this is exactly what it is. And that's normally what happens a lot of the times. And that's why it's great for us to have these conversations. Um, but yes, I found him and I read his book and I realized that this was all thought patterns. It was all thought patterns. Anxiety is a thought pattern. And you just have to manage and conquer these thoughts. And once you do that, which it is not easy to do, it's easier said than done, but it's not easy to do. But once you do manage it and conquer it, like there's no, there's no way it can have control of you as much as it did before. So that's the point. That was at the point that I got to where I was just like, I don't want to do this no more. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get out of this. And I don't want to do, to go the medicine, the medicinal route. Um, of taking medicines and because I tried to go to a therapist and he was referring medicines to me and I was just like it just didn't sit right with me mm -hmm. sometimes it works for other people but it didn't sit right with me so I wanted to go the natural route and figure out the best way possible for me to to heal wow well thank you for sharing that with us because I think you know it's a lot of vulnerable stuff but by people like you sharing your stories i think it really gives other people hope oftentimes when they don't know what's going on but they want that there's you know we all have that part of ourselves that wants to like truly thrive and yeah. and be happy and um it was like that part of you like how you said like i got fed up that part of you started to become louder right and and you listen to that and i think that's really it's it's inspiring because it just reminds us that we all have that right so yeah. anyway thank you for opening up about that stuff yeah. um and yeah i'm really interested in you said what's what's the guy's name who o'connor sean o'connor sean o'connor he's very he's irish so name thank you yes <laughs> <laughs> Such a cute, nice guy. And, you know, we, we had, a, I have an episode actually on my, on my podcast, if you guys ever want to check it out. Yeah. Um, and we, him and I start talking and it's, and we laugh because I like to bring humor to stuff because I just can't be serious in this. It's just, I just, I don't have a serious on my body. I'm just like childish by nature. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I just wanted to bring, you know, humor to it because it's just such a serious thing and there's so many people drowning in it 
right now as we speak and they have no idea what's going on. And um, you can just tell in the questions that people are asking, they're just like constantly asking me, is this going to last forever? What did you do? I mean, but did you feel this way? And, you know, him and I just trade our stories and it's just very comforting. And it's been comforting to a lot of other people to hear um, um, that the experiences we had and how we don't go through it anymore. And it's completely gone. I'm a hundred percent recovered. And so is he. Um, and it's definitely possible for everyone, even no matter how long you've been in it to uh, recover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so amazing too. And I think it's a testament, like it's so hard, right? Because when we're suffering and we're in the mud, we want like a quick fix, right? Like, yeah. we, but there was something in you that knew, right? You were like, I didn't feel like medicine was the right path for me. I didn't feel like these band-aids, right? That do help a lot of people. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know, if you need medication and it works for you, that's amazing. And I fully support that. But I think it's incredible that you were like, okay, let's try the exercise route. Let's try the diet route. And let's like, you found like a teacher, right? And then let, how do we deal with these thought patterns? So can you walk us through like you, this concept of changing thought patterns, right? Like you said, it's easier said than done. Um, cause I think we all know, right? Like, okay guys, like I get it. Like I have to master my mind, but how do you, how did you actually start to do that? So with the thought patterns, um, I, I, I again, you have to tailor your recovery process to what you, you, what works for you. So what works for me is spirituality. Um, so I use a lot of scriptures from the Bible that I knew were affirming to me. Um, and I use specifically Psalms 116, I believe it was, that was just affirming that God was hearing my prayers, um, that my prayers would be answered. And this too shall pass is pretty much what it was saying in those. So I was using those affirmations every day. Um, and then also kind of playing tricks on my brain to keep saying that I'm okay, right? So even though I might feel like I'm sitting right here and I'm looking at the sky and the sky is scaring me because this is the kind of weird shit that was happening. I'd look at the sky and it would scare me. I would be like, you know, like it would make me jump because I would look and be like, but it's never ending. Why is this like, you know, like, so it was just bugging me out. And so then I would just be like, it's okay. Like, you know, I have to trick my brain to be like that. Uh, the sky is blue. The sky is calming. This is calming me, you know, and then go and like try to read something in my phone or something to distract me from that thought. So anytime the thought came, the negative thought came, I would distract myself with another positive thought. Um, or I would distract myself with an activity because you have to the key to the thought changing the thought pattern is distracting yourself with something that's not going to cause you the panic or the anxiety or the anxiousness. Um, so that was my tool and that's how I did it. So reading the scriptures sometimes will be comforting. Listening to um, uh, Sean O'Connor would have made a relaxing um, meditation pep talk. I would listen to that sometimes on repeat because it would keep me zoned in on what he was saying and not focused on the fear of whatever I was having. Mm -hmm. um, what else would I do? So if, if I went for a walk or I went to work out, I would just try to engage and be present in that. And anytime the thoughts came, I would focus on that one particular exercise that was probably like breaking my ass. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, oh, these abs are really killing me right now. So I would just focus on that and just keep focused on the pain in my stomach and not those thoughts. It's extremely hard and, you know, and I, and I know as people probably will listen and be like, this is just so easier said than done. I can't do it. I can't stop thinking about this, but it's like, you just really have to force yourself to do it because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, your thoughts start to progress daily as you continue to use those tools. So yeah, that's what I was saying. That's interesting. It's like activities when you're saying to distract in a way, it also brings you to what is present mm -hmm. versus like the what, or it sounds like that even like, even the sky reframing the idea like, oh, the sky is really freaking me out right now. Or wait, no, the sky is blue. Like what's an actual <laughs> observation of what's real right, right now, you know, yeah. like bringing it down to the present. Yeah. What it, it reminds me of something I keep going back to, but um, a friend of mine from my 
Buddhist practice, which is like, same, like I feel very grounded in my anxiety through my spirituality as well is, um, you know, she mentioned to me, she just reminded me like, where is anxiety coming from? You know, it's like, you're worrying about the future or you're living in the past, right? You're mm-hmm. stuck in something that happened, but all we have control of is the present moment. And the present moment is what will determine the future. Right. Yeah. So yeah. in that same way, it's like, it's helped me kind of when I get out of control, you know, to do very similar things that you're talking about of like, okay, what are we doing right now? Like, right. like even sometimes like my mom once told me to just to like clap your hands to kind of like jolt you back into like, yes, I'm, I'm here. This is reality as opposed to the reality your mind is trying to create. We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey, but my favorite is the bee chill hemp honey. It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or after a long day at work to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you? Well, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything, but I also love the Bee Lixer Brain Fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without any jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS all one word at checkout or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageous wellness. And you can also find that direct link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. And those were the, well, some of the first things that I did uh, to bring myself to calm myself immediately because I was so fearful. I was crying every day. Um, I, I just can't imagine. I can't, I really don't remember uh, the feelings anymore. And that's something that Sean also talks about in his book um, was that you, your mind will flip to a point and it gets to a point where you forget all of that too. Mm -hmm. So you do get to a point where you forget. So I can't really pull it all in exactly of my feelings, but I just remember being very fearful, very scared of death, very, very scared of the sky, (laughs) very scared of, um, uh, what else? Myself, seeing myself in the mirror scared me because it was, I, I didn't feel like I was connected. It felt like it was just a glass pane in front of me and I mm. couldn't connect to it. And so those grounding techniques helped me instantaneously. Um, and I worked on that and listened to his pep talk, listened to meditations every night when I was falling asleep. And ultimately the panic attacks that were happening in my sleep chart started to phase out. Um, and I also then signed up to see ther- a therapist that I connected with. I went to her workshop um, and her and I connected. And from there, she's still my therapist to this day. I was able to start processing a lot of shit that I have gone through uh, from childhood on into my adulthood mm-hmm. that has caused me a lot of heartbreak and pain and grief. Um, and I was able to process that, which wasn't an easy road either as well. So, you know, and you have your ups and downs, you have your ups and downs with this, um, you know, through, I I was able to recover quickly. um, And as soon as I recovered, a close friend of mine, we went away on vacation to Essence Festival. And as soon as we came back, she died. So it was just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what, you know, so I kind of relapsed into the DP again. um, And then I, but I was able to pick back up and that's why I know it is, absolutely it's absolutely absolutely 100% findable that everybody can recover from depersonalization because I slipped back in and I was able to come right back out wow that actually you answered a question because I was gonna say do you ever have fear now that like you you say you've recovered but that what if you kind of go go back right because life is not linear and sometimes 
times, but you basically just said that, like you had that experience and you use the skills again to pull yourself out much more quickly. So that feel that has to feel like, I mean, in something in such a devastating situation too, that has to feel like a real solid tool set that you know you could use no matter what. Oh yeah, for sure. And because the recovery process of coming out of an anxiety disorder or depression disorder is a roller coaster. So that's going to teach you that, you know, when you have a relapse, okay, I know exactly what's happening right now. Now I need to go back to square one where I started before and push, push back forward. Doesn't mean that you have digressed at all in your recovery process. It just means you have to go back to the tools that you were learning in the very beginning and get yourself back 10 steps ahead, you know? Yeah. So that's how recovery works with any of these disorders. It's just an up and down. And it's because it could be situational. It could be anything. It could be your cycle. Cause I feel like my cycle pulls me in a lot each and every time, you know, I know when my cycles, if I start to feel extremely sad, I'm like, Oh no, um, I, I like, I need to get away from everybody. I know what's happening right now. Um, I need to isolate for a bit. I know exactly what's happening. You know, so it's, it's you yeah. just learn your body. It, that's amazing to be able to also recognize. It seems like you have the tools to really recognize what's going on at at any moment too. Like I know I, I like every month, it's funny you spring up the cycle because hormones really, really do have a, an intense mm-hmm. sort of um, impact on sort of where you are. And, and sometimes I'll be like, oh, why am I so sad today? And, then yes. it's like, and I go through this like one day every single month. And it's yeah. like, you think after 20 years of having a period, <laughs> like I'd get, you know, like I'd understand, right. but like I have to remind myself and then it's like, oh yeah, I look at the calendar and yeah. then I'm like, oh yeah. And then I can have a perspective about it, right? Like exactly. something all of that, but exactly. yeah, it's an amazing skill to have that. Yeah. And at first I was just like, oh my God, something's wrong with me. I'm constantly sad. And like, I got to, I was like texting my therapist, like I just, every time I'm eating, I just want to cry. And she was just like, can you look at your calendar and like, you know, count what, you know, what is, what are the days that you're ovulating? What are the days, what day is your cycle start? And I was like, my cycle's supposed to start in four days. And she was like, yeah. So we can now say that we have, you know, we have tested this theory and a lot of the times the sadness comes from the cycle, you know, or it is exasperated when my cycle comes up, you know, like things that I've, I've suppressed come up a lot more. So yeah, the cycle is part of it. So can you tell us a little bit, you know, you did all this work, you continue to do this work, you've built these tools up for yourself. What then led you to decide to make a podcast and talk about it? So I was, um, I was in development for a podcast prior to um, my, the, I call it a nervous breakdown. <laughs> so prior to the nervous breakdown, I was in development Um, with loudspeaker networks trying to see if I could join their team. Um, And then the whole thing happened and the shit just went to shits, right? So, and he's a busy guy. They have wonderful podcasts going on over there. Those people were normal. They weren't going through anxiety and all of that. So it just kind of fell through the cracks. Um, And I wasn't able to be my quirky, funny self on the microphone because I was going, I was literally in the throes of this dream feeling. Like I'm going into their studio to to do a test or pilot run. And it was like a dream in there. It was just so weird. So, and I was just trying to push through and do this test pilot and it just crashed. It crashed and burned. Um, So, and then I lost my job because of the depersonalization because I was in the meetings like looking like a deer in headlights like what um they would ask me questions I'd be lost in the sauce like I couldn't find emails um they and they weren't the best at uh, they weren't supportive either and I know I could have probably fought with HR about them being supportive um to what I was going through but at the same time I was just like I felt relieved when they let me go I was just like you know what fuck this shit because you guys don't even care anyway (laughs) you know what I mean so I moved on and then that week I decided like you know um I'm just gonna open up this mic I'm just gonna turn the mic on and just tell my story 
you know, I'm just going, and it was, my very first episode is very raw, no music, no anything, and I even start crying because I was trying to explain, and at that point, I was in the throes of the DP, um, so I decided that I was just going to track and talk about my experience and how I was going to get to recovery through the podcast, which helped tremendously, tremendously, because it was comforting to see so many people from so many different walks of life and people from Canada, people from Ireland, people from um, the Virgin Islands, people from Jamaica telling me um, that they were going through the same things. They're going through the same exact thing and they had no clue what they were going through or they knew what it was, but they had no clue how to recover. Um, and so I would just start to interact with these people and email them and answer their DMs. And I didn't mind, you know, just talking to them about it because it helped me. Um, and that's what led me to doing the podcast and then evolving it as, as the weeks and months and years went by. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm just looking at both of y'all like... <laughs> No, that's, I think that's so incredible. And again, like to have, it's so many people, right, suffer with debilitating anxiety and the different, you know, sub issues that come from that. But I think too, like it, it is so shameful still, like people have so much shame around sharing these fears or these feelings, even hearing you, um, talk about the sky. I've had moments like that when looking at the sky, like fully sober. And, um, <laughs> I, I like just took as, you know, like, like I wasn't like high or anything yeah. <laughs> fully sober. I'd be like, wow. Or go into like mind trips about like space, you know? Yes. Oh my God. I can't. Cause you can take yourself so far out and you got to bring yourself in. Like, you wait a have minute. to, <laughs> but I remember when I would like talk to friends about this. This actually happened like a lot in my late teens where it was like, you would either get like, I would get like massively teased by people who were like friends mm -hmm. or, um, they would use it to like fuck with me. Like they would try to like freak me out and it was so insensitive, but again, it was also just a lack of like knowledge and understanding. But, um, I think that's what creates people to feel shameful about opening up about oh, anxiety yeah. or different things. So I think you having this like safe space for, you know, your guests to talk about so many topics, but also to feel safe to share about anxiety and, and to receive tools is pretty exceptional. So yeah. Thank and you. I was going to say, it's also fun that you, have fun with it too, which I like that you bring up that it's like, yeah, these are tough topics that you dive into and you share, but you also have a lot of fun and you have a, you know, like a fun personality and you, and you want to, you want to bring levity to it too. And like to have, to have both of those things, I think that's nice because sometimes there are resources out there, but it's like, if you can't also just breathe and laugh and, and have some, that gets like all heavy all the time. Yeah. I think yeah. it's probably why people feel like it's very accessible too. Right. So, cause it's like you create a comfortable environment where they can also feel comfortable too. Exactly. Because sometimes you're like, cause when you're going through depersonalization, right, you're absolutely normal. You're perfectly healthy. It's that your brain has gone into fight or flight mode. Um, so it's that fight or flight mode that just can't flip back to, okay, it's safe now. But even when you're in flight or fight mode, you can see a, something on Instagram and it can make you laugh hysterically. So at the same time, you're like, wait, I'm going through DP. Why do, why do I find this funny? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's really, but you have to put too much, because I am fine. I am normal. I am safe. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring laughter into this because the people, like if you go into a depersonalization forum, which I encourage y'all to do to, if you want to like really see the community out there, like it, the people are bugging out. And some people are just like, you know, they're sometimes it's just hard to, there's certain people that I have talked to that I've been like, there's no way that I can help this person because, you know, they're just so far in and they refuse to just to pull out and realize that, you know, this is reality, this is real and that they are perfectly healthy. Yeah. I think sometimes it's safer. Like I've dealt with this with my like emotional eating, for instance, and like the work I've done with that. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because sometimes it's almost like the 
it's safer to stay in it because staying in it is like, it becomes almost like what you know and a protection. And if you're going to come out of it, then what does that look like? And, oh, now I'm going to have to feel and deal and do all the, and it's like that, like you said, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. Cause Mm -hmm. even if, you know, I know people who take medication and medication doesn't just solve it too. It's medication and tools. Right. So it is hard work to get well and to be well. And that can be, I think, really scary and intimidating. Yeah, Yeah. it is. You know, and some days, like some days you do just want to like not do the work. And that's, I think it's just giving yourself like grace and compassion and understanding of like, it's, it's one day at a time. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you're going to have those days where you just want to lay in the bed and just cry and be like, you know what, this is the end of the world. That's totally fine too. But the next day or two or three, you have to get up. Like you just have to, you have to force yourself to get up. You have to, to fix your, you have to brush your teeth. You you have to face yourself in the mirror, even though Mm. you might be looking at yourself and not even, and feeling unrecognizable to yourself. You still have to do that because you still have to push through, you know? And that's always what I've told anyone, anyone that I've coached on a side or coached and that has reached out to me looking for coaching. That is always what I've said is you have to face it. You have to face yourself and you have to face these fears because these are all little bitty fears that once one at a time you'll conquer and you'll feel encouraged and keep moving on to the next fear. Yeah, I think that's good advice, especially in light of the fact that we are all like currently dealing with sort of a, a global, new level of global anxiety mm-hmm. um, at the moment. So I think those, you know, yes, specific to the condition that, that you've dealt with over time and, and can be a resource for that. But I think that's also good advice sort of for anyone who's currently feeling a little bit anxious with this current current climate that we're dealing with um yeah absolutely across the world with the virus and everything oh yeah the rona got us bugging (laughs) (laughs) yes and and so with that rona yes it's you know like like ali just mentioned it's like this global anxiety is existing Mm -hmm. so if you've already had anxiety you know it's it's extra real i feel like extra real yeah Um, so you know, we always ask our guests to like, what are some non-negotiable self-care practices that you do? Um, but I think in this time, like what are those non-negotiables and has anything changed or elevated with this global pandemic we're currently experiencing? So what I will say is the work that I've been doing on myself uh, for the past two years, I think has kind of prepared me for this because my anxiety actually is not as high as others um, would be. Yes, when I go outside, I am stressed the fuck out if I touch a surface, but I feel like that is normal for everybody. But my overall day in, day out, I'm not feeling um, overly anxious. And I think it's because I have committed to as much as I can meditating two times a day, um, only for 20 minutes. Um, if I feel like my heart is racing or something is happening subconsciously, cause I could be suppressing and my body could be reacting, but my brain isn't, I'll start to take deep, deep breaths. Um, I've been finding, happy things to watch on television, like, or, or, you know, online, um, things that make me happy. Like I found that blind love watching Lauren and Cameron. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Boosted my endorphins like through the damn roof. So what did I do? I said, I'm going to watch that scene where they tell each other they love each other. I watched that scene like five, six times. I kid you not because it really, really boosted my endorphins. It was the most cutest thing. The best. So, they were crying. Okay. So I'm only like an episode and a half in. So no spoilers. I won't spoil, but that was, that was, um, that I was did like see the first that. episode. Yeah, no, yeah. I saw that. They were really, really they're emotional. They're, and you know what's crazy is the show was filmed a year and a half before it yes. aired. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't watched it, so a year and a half before it aired. So if any couples do get married and are still married, they've been together for a year and a half from a pot. Yeah. yeah. From a blind. So again, Corona dating. I'm just going to say it on our podcast because we don't, but if anyone is single out there, I personally think this is a great time to be dating. Listen, <laughs> I'm telling you, I met somebody through the Corona 
it's a Rona. We have a Rona date tonight. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're FaceTiming for the first time. So we'll yeah. see, you know. And in but, like 10 years, you'll all be on the cover of like Time Magazine doing like a special on like people who found love. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, the front of People Magazine. That's so Right. Funny. Yeah. The Rona helped me find love. But yeah. yes, but you know, I, I was, I find things that make me happy. I, I know what makes me happy. Love makes me happy. You know, cuddling and all of that makes me happy. But if I can't have that in the physical, watching it makes me happy. That might not make other people happy because my friend, she got an icebox where her heart is. So when I tried to ask her, <laughs> I tried to tell her to watch Blind Love. She was just looking at me like, girl, this is like the dumbest shit I've ever, I've ever seen. I can't believe you had me watching this. And like, she blames me for everything about it. So I'm just like, well, I enjoyed it. Like it just made me feel good. Yeah. Example of using things that will keep you in a happy space during this time. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I got my ass off of social media. Today was the first day that I went on because I was promoting an event that I'm doing. So I was like, well, I need to come on and promote this event. So I I went on and I saw messages and everything, but I'm just trying to stay obedient to the fast that I put myself on um, and just came right back off because I could, I found myself almost getting pulled back in and I saw um, a a very popular celebrity talking uh, or Instagram celebrity. I think his name is Versace or Versailles or something. He was saying he's now going through depersonalization. Mm -hmm. So, so many people were tagging me in that, but then Mm -hmm. I found myself going in that rabbit hole quickly. And I was like, no, 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 no. I got to come out. I'll answer their questions next month when I come back. Um, What I would love to know too, for anybody, you know, about a week ago. So at the we've been quarantined now at the time of recording for at least for me it's been 9 days and um around the first couple days i had i started to feel myself like almost um having a panic attack actually and i haven't actually had one since i was like 9 years old that summer i didn't eat eggs was when i had um panic attacks but no one told me it was a panic attack they just told me i was hyperventilating which you know, it was the 90s. It was, I was about to say, which we, we should, I want to like tap in and see like what actually was happening around that time to cause that. Yeah. My parents were going through a lot of different things, but it was triggered to actually, it was because I watched like a kid's news on Nickelodeon on choking and that sparked. So there was a lot of stuff going on in my life and with my family, but like with Aaliyah, right. It's like, it, it took something it's, outside yeah, to trigger. So that's why I couldn't swallow because I watched. So I couldn't, I didn't yeah. eat, but I also hyper had a panic attack. So anyway, <laughs> what I was saying, I have a question for you. Because <laughs> okay. it was the first time in like 20 plus years that um, I had felt those feelings. Like my breath, I was like, oh, this is, this is real right now, you know? Um, and fortunately I have tools, right? So I started like deep breathing. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, five breaths in, hold five breaths out, hold, like I was doing this routine that I have, but for anybody who doesn't have a tool and might be feeling really panicked, is there one thing you'd recommend starting with now? Cause I can't imagine, I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing panic or anxiety feelings, maybe for the first time. Mm-hmm. And is there just one place you'd recommend starting? I know you've given us so much, but if there was yeah. just like that one nugget from everything you've shared, if someone has that feeling. So I think my one thing I would say the one would be breathing. Yeah. I I think that breathing is, it's easy to learn. Um, and there's so many different breathing techniques out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what probably will work best for someone who has never done breathing or has never, um, doesn't really know what works for them to try nostril breathing, alternate nostril breathing. Um, and you can Google that and figure that out. But all it is, is taking your right thumb and holding your nostril with on your right nostril and breathing in and then releasing that nostril and holding the left nostril and then breathing out. Um, so that calms you. Um, some people do say that if you do it through, I want to say it's the left nostril only that that's, that's more calming. I don't know, but I do know that alternate nostril breathing, um, is one of the main things that will calm you down. It'll actually have you feeling high, (laughs) like to the, (laughs) like, it's just, I've done it. It's great. My dad taught it to me actually. 
Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just super calming. Um, and you do that. Um, don't expect anything when you're doing breathing. You know, I feel we're all in this instant gratification age and we want things to happen right away, right now. Um, but don't expect anything. Just do the breathing and feel how calm your body starts to get. Um, it might not be 100%, but it will bring it down maybe 20, 30%. And then you can do it again throughout the day. Just continue to do the breathing. That would be my suggestion. That's so great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then another question we ask all of our guests, um, do you, you actually already recommended one um, through Sean O'Connor, but do you have a book that's been particularly um, meaningful to you? And it doesn't just have to be like a book with tools, but anything that's just sort of been meaningful to you over the course of your own journey. Sure. Um, so I read, I read Neville Goddard. His name is Neville Goddard. I read him daily. Um, the power of awareness, uh, the power of your imagination are great, great books to read. Um, it is, um, it can be a little confusing in the beginning, but he actually teaches you how you can have and you can have whatever it is you want in life by using your imagination and using the power that you have inside of you that was created by God because we are ultimately God. You know what I mean? Like not saying that I am God, but I am a creation of God who lives in me. That's the kind of thing. So he works um, and he uses biblical um, scriptures to back his theories up. And it's actually worked for me. It's worked for a lot of people. There's a huge community of people out there. So yes, I read. That was a long answer. I'm so no, sorry. That's so oh, great. great. Um, thank you so much. And thank you yeah. again for sharing your journey with us today. So for anybody looking to find you on Instagram or check out your podcast, where can everyone find you online? Sure. So my website is the analog Um, the, my Instagram is the dot analog girl. Um, I'm on a social fast, but I will be back with my shenanigans. So just hold tight. If you do follow me, um, my Twitter is the underscore the an, the underscore analog girl. Um, and then the podcast is the analog girl podcast. And that's on pretty much all, uh, all platforms. It's on Apple. It's on anchor. It's on stitcher. It's on Google play. It's on all that. Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. It was thank great you, talking guys. to you guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.